Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast, where we discuss woodworking and the business of woodworking. This is episode number 29 for August 9th, 2018. My name is Justin Napama, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Freddie Roman. Good afternoon. And Guy Dunlap. How are you today? Always want to answer you fine every time you ask that. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> How about you, Freddie? How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. You positive today? I'm so positive. <laughs> so positive. Uh, what's what's going on, Freddie? What's going on? So, <clears throat> I I love clients, but there's you know sometimes there's one that or two throughout the year that kind of like you know gives you that migraine, that headache. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took over this job from the my other partner in the shop because the client and him weren't clicking, so. The issue is sometimes when you have an older elderly woman that things constantly change and, and, or, or things are not the way that she explained it the first time. So we had this going back and forth and we're finally reaching the end of that job of redoing some low grade cabinets that she's trying to spice it up and make it somewhat more modern. Obviously everything is under a budget. So in time frame, so we're handling all that. And since I'm getting ready to go on vacation shortly, uh, I have to get all this stuff done before I leave because for some about reasons, she doesn't want anyone else to take on the job. So we're in the middle of doing installations, uppers and lowers and tops and everything else, fitting it into a senior center, which is insane how we have to get these things up and down and dealing with them. It's kind of a slower pace when you reach that elderly senior center. Everything is much slower. The elevator, just to come up and down from like three or four floors, takes about 10, 15 minutes. Like you literally just sit down and wait because they can't go too fast for the elderly, you know. So it's somewhat painstaking, but overall it's coming along well. And I'm happy to say that the shop has been very busy, even though the phone hasn't been ringing, which we're very happy about that. And we're working on our backlog and... <clears throat> we haven't gone through the whole backlog yet, and now the phone's starting to ring again. So the lo- outlook is very promising, which is very exciting. Good. How about you, Guy? What's going on? Well, I've, I've been prototyping those pieces of furniture. I got some plywood and started doing that. And um, it's coming along. I've also been working on a, a shop project that is a... a dust collection manifold for my dust collector so I can have all I got to do is open a blast gate but I'm not doing hard plumbing or anything it's hard to explain um doing that and I've got a after I get done with that I've got a coffee table I'm going to be building what's the coffee table going to be built out of uh cherry I was going to do it out of walnut but I didn't have any walnut and so I went and started shopping for some I couldn't find any locally that I liked and um, I didn't want to pay for any because I've got a ton of cherry in stock. So I had to convince my wife that cherry is what she wants. <laughs> so it's going to be cherry, but I'm going to have to stain it to get it dark mm-hmm. for me right away. But it's going to have an elliptical top and it's going to be mid-century modern. <clears throat> hey, Freddie, what's the difference between Danish modern and mid-century modern? Is there any difference? Uh-huh. Supposedly there is a difference. I can't uh, tell. To my knowledge, mid-century modern um, 
it's not as refined and sometimes the proportions are a little bit more heavy on certain pieces and they would classify that as mid-century modern especially like the scalloped fronts of drawers or doors you know there's a lot more detailed or or moldings that are applied to them and a danish modern is just strictly clean simple lines very little to no decorative details like the chamfer corner solid edge is where their emphasis is that clean transition okay well then this is going to be this is going to be danish modern then very nice so there's not going to be any ornamentation on it i may do an inlay on the top i'm not sure but the top is going to be elliptical which is kind of cool and uh i got the uh, jig to do it so it'll be a perfect ellipse nice i'm not just going to cut it out and finesse it by hand i'd rather use so i'd rather use tools to do it you're gonna swing a router yeah i've got one of those jigs that has the you know the x in the middle of it yes and it kind of like slides in the tracks and goes this way and that away an ellipsogram is that what it's called an ellipsogram yes i've never heard it called that before there's <laughs> some kind of name for it i didn't know that's what it was well, uh, at least that's what it is in the period. You know, they would use wooden uh, slides and they would use a pencil to lay it out or a knife to uh, cut veneer or they would use a scratch stock and use that ellipsogram fixture to cut grooves on a piece so they can get their inlay or stringing in, in the housing. Yeah. Hmm. I, I made a small table once, uh, a nightstand that had a, like an oval or an elliptical top. And I just, you know, drew it out with the pencil and string trick and cut it out with the jigsaw and then just, you know, used a belt sander to get it into shape. It was actually, it was, it was pretty easy, but still it wasn't perfect. Awesome. Hmm. That's about it. What? So I love, I love that Instagram post of the little table that you made. You put yeah. on the wall. Yeah. Your table looks great. Oh, thank you. The Demi Lund table. Yeah. yeah, there was another, there was a guy that's on um, Instagram. I think it's 406 Woodworker. And I'm not sure, I think his name is Mo. Anyways, he's building the same table. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He just posted some pictures today, as a matter of fact. And he was, it's kind of cool, you know, to, to do something like that and see somebody, uh, you know, copy it. Totally. That's basically, yeah, that's the idea of your videos, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did, did all the same thing, you know, did the the bricking and did the segmented the way I did it and and uh, came out pretty nice. Nice. Yeah. What do you got going on, Justin? I'm always confused by your videos you have on Instagram because I don't know which damn house you're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I got done that already. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of house stuff, the weekends and... I mean, the, the other, the new, the old house I've been working on. Yeah. Which one's the old house? The house I live in now, I've been working on a little bit, but anyways, uh, as far as I'm at work, still messing with the bookcase. Uh, yesterday I started painting the red and it was really red. And then I ended up getting done. The whole thing's in pieces. I did it all in pieces because half it's glue or half it's paint. And the other bottom section is just clear. So I figured, let me paint it all in pieces and tape everything off and then I can just 
whatever, put it together and it has a clear section, right? Instead of fighting the big box, the bookcase itself. So I did that. I got all done yesterday and I'm getting ready. I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to glue everything together. And I'm looking at it like, that looks weird, that color. And then I got my sample and checked it against the sample. It's not the right color. Different color. Mm. Oh yeah. My. And, and I don't know what happened. And, and well, part of it is you're, it, it's the red comes out of a clear base. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes a lot of coats just to build the full color. Yep. And I had like four or five coats on this thing. And it, it looked it looked okay. Right. And then I took it and stood it up in my shop and the light hit. And I'm like, that looks like mulberry. That doesn't look like a like a period color red. Right. And then I grabbed mm-hmm. my sample and yeah, it was. It's there's a couple shades off. So this morning started out with me driving forty minutes to the paint place. What happened? Get my, uh I don't know, the tint's off which is really weird because mm-hmm. they, they do a spray out sample that they put on my bot on my cans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I looked at their sample, their samples dead on. And I brought it up there and I said, Hey, what happened? He goes, I don't know. He goes, did you put enough coats on this? I said, yeah. Cause I brought him a, a sample that I sprayed out yesterday as well to put against mm-hmm. the sample I originally gave him, which was just regular latex paint. I, I had it from the job site and he goes, that's weird. So they took the paint and I'll get it back tomorrow, which sucks but yeah so i'm waiting on that now um it's it it just it just sucks because i'm set behind but the truth is once i get the paint tomorrow i just go over what i already did and the color will come right back to where i want it are these are these built-ins or uh it's this is the secret bookcase okay right and it's i had to get the cases all glued together so i could build the drawer boxes for it so it's like i'm kind of at a standstill I mean, I did more painting and prepping today, uh, priming stuff, but it's just like, I got to get this done so I can put it together and then finish the rest of it. So been messing with that. And then what else did I do? I don't know. Like that took up my whole morning driving up there, dealing with that. And then once I got there, they told me they're too busy. They'll just send it to me tomorrow, which there's a local place down here in town, which is where I usually get it drive five minutes. But the actual place that mix the paint is like 40 minutes away. So, wow. yeah, that was this morning. The only good thing about the whole thing is my new house is five minutes from this place. So that's cool. That's eventually, yeah. <laughs> eventually it'll be a good thing, right? Eventually um, it'll be very convenient. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, it's mostly been that bookcase, just figuring that whole thing out with the swinging mechanism. And then it, it's just, it, like I said, it's not together. So it was all. The whole case, I dominated the whole case, so it was all dry fit together, but I have yet to actually put it together to get the mechanism to swing and work. I've played with little sample pieces, so I know where everything should pivot, but I'm, I'm just at that point where I needed everything painted so I can put it together and fine-tune it before I actually do the other part. How, how is it going to pivot? Is it going to be like a a, a shaft and a, and a bearing, or, or is it just going to be like... It, it pretty much is that, hinges? yeah. No, it's, it's, it's basically a little like, it's only a half inch shaft. It sits on a bearing mm-hmm. and there's one that mounts on the bottom and one that mounts on the top. And then the one on top is a pin that actually drops in and out. So you can take the case in and out. That's and how it'll it gets hold it. all that weight. Yeah. Well, if you saw the whole mechanism, it's super simple. It's, it was ungodly expensive for what it is, but pretty beefy. Yeah, it works. It, it, yeah. It's on a piece of quarter inch steel plate with a little bearing in there. And then the shaft is probably a half inch shaft on the top and bottom. It's, it's super simple. I mean, it's, it's amazing how simple it is. And then as far as 
like the stopping, uh, like it has like a detent almost, but it use it literally uses a carriage bolt that slides into a little uh, indent in a in another piece of steel. So it like it pops itself into place when it goes to close. That's how you set it. It's like un- ungodly simple. I'll eventually sh- I'll show you a picture of it. Yeah. But what's what's going to be on the other side of the bookcase? What kind uh, of room is it? What's the room going to be used for? It's a little back hallway steps down into a basement. So it, and it's a very narrow, like 16 inch wide step. So it's, it's pretty neat. So it's going to open up to this and then you just go down and that's how they basically get down to the little, uh, uh what is that? Like a movie room or something in this house. Hmm. Wow. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. I ended up going and buying some more books. Did you, did I, did we talk about that? I went and bought, uh, movie book, Dick. Movie Dick. No, yeah. it was a, uh, it was on your Instagram. Yeah. So I went and bought Moby Dick on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And then it, it, and it's a pretty decent looking copy, but I just needed the cover. So I took the covers off of it. The book's still fine. And then I glued a block of wood in there and it's, it, you look at it from the front, it looks identical because I painted the block of wood gold with the brush strokes on there. So it looks like pages. Yep. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. And then I went and bought a bunch of other books just to put in the bookcase uh, I don't think I'm going to take them apart. I'm going to figure out some way that I can just have them so you can take them in and out, but they're like kind of compressioned in there. So yeah, that's that. It's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Something different. And then I didn't actually show you guys the whole, the detail on the shelf and the, uh, the countertop edges. It's, it's a, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like a groove, but it doesn't go all the way through. So it's a little shallow, like, pocket i don't know what you want to call it but indent and that whole i routed it out out of the solid and everything i have to still share all that on instagram but yeah it, it's it's an interesting piece interesting just because it's not something i typically would build or you would think of but you get a designer and you get some neat neat ideas that come out of other people so yeah it's always totally. it's always projects like that that you have to scratch your head and think that are the most fun for me Hmm. yeah yeah but uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Not too much else. Sweet. Look at that. We stopped at the what fifteen minute mark. We're doing great. <laughs> wow. <sighs> now I can't edit it because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like it. Guy, you awake? Huh? Are you there? <laughs> what were we talking about? It, it is Patreon time. It's Patreon time. Yes. Okay, I'll just. Go right into it. Uh, but also, like, kind of sp- what's that? No, I was going to say, spread a little love for the people who spread love to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let me get my bearings again. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about uh, Patreon and thank all our patrons. Uh, first of all, it's Tab Adams, Chris Larson, Peter Escobedo, Eric Cole, Carrie Darden, Cole Roberts, Sean Raymakers, and John Ross. Those are our uh, top tier patrons. And if anybody is a current pat- patron and wants to hear their name uh, on this broadcast, you know, jump up to the top tier. And if you're not a patron, please uh, become one. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And, uh, you know, we just got a couple bills this month and it's, it's still not going to be enough. <laughs> Did we forget Larry? 
No. Yes. No? Okay. I did forget Larry. I'm so, <laughs> I, I didn't forget him. I just forgot to mention his name. Uh, and, and Larry and Larry Grovner. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, we and, do call that forgetting somebody. Yeah, and Tab Adams is actually our, our top patron now. Um, huh. He's at a, we had to make a special level just for him because he wanted to, he, he was confused. He wanted to give us more money and he didn't know how. So we had to make yeah. a special thing just for him. Tab's, Tab's awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks so much, everybody. Yeah. I think the next episode, maybe we'll just mention all of them. Yeah. Yes, sir. We'll go through because I think we are approaching our one year anniversary. Oh, so. my. Has it been a year? Yeah. Uh, since we started posting them, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, it kind of makes sense since we, we just paid the uh, yeah, website again for the year. That's true. That does make sense. <laughs> but so. yeah, uh, I think it's. August 21st was when we released the first, the intro show. And then we released wow. a bunch of them right after. Time has flown by, boy. Yeah. Which leads me into saying, please show your support by giving us any reviews online, on especially on iTunes or any of the other places that we offer the podcast to be listened, listened upon. Uh, obviously... Every, because I don't remember which ones we uh, post on, um, but every review is very beneficial for us because we obviously can attract more f- listeners and hopefully further spread the word and further get more input to see what you guys want to listen to and gals. We are on Stitcher and iTunes. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Not SoundCloud. Uh, I can't figure SoundCloud out. What about Again. Google Play. Oh, we are on Google Play. Yeah. Is that still Google alive? Play? <laughs> yes. I guess you better check that out. Yeah. I think that's where Diami listens, right? Isn't he a I big Google so. Play guy? Yes, he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. If there's another one you wish to find us on, let me know. I'll look Stitcher. into it. SoundCloud, SoundCloud, I cannot figure out oh, how yeah, to get SoundCloud, on there. SoundCloud, that was it. Yeah, I just can't figure it out. So, <laughs> Okay, do you want to jump into viewer questions? Yes, sir. Freddie, you know I mean? if, yes. you, if you had to choose one vice for your bench, what would it be? It would be the record 52 and a half quick release vice. Is that a front vice? It's a shoulder vice. Shoulder vice. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is obviously it's cast iron, you know, casted. Uh, records are old company. They don't exist anymore, but there are a variety of different like manufacturers who are producing similar they copied their castings you know or you know they try to copy their castings anyway and i have a newer bench in case someone didn't realize that it's, it's coming up to a year in november and i thought about putting like a really wide face wooden bench like double handled sometimes like veritas or the single handle one that uh lee nelson has but the problem with that is it's like you need to spin that handle so much just to have that jaw open up and close. And I understand that the, the Lee Nelson version has a big space between the two rods. So it allows you to really support and hold the piece down nice and tight if you're dovetailing. But that's when I can make a moxin vice. And I do have the hardware for that for dovetailing. And you can always rack those if you're only putting a lot of pressure on one side. And you kind of dent the wood. So I decided that 
you know, that wasn't going to work. I decided the bench crafted one is not going to work for what I need to do, what I plan to do with my, with, uh, with my bench. So the record is the only option I had. I had two vices. You have two, two vices. Yeah. I do have two different ones. Freddie used the one. I have a Wart Walton. Is that how you say it? Wilton? Yes. Little, I have a little tiny, I guess that's the face vice. It's the one right on the front of the bench, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I have one of them, which is on that little workbench you used, which is a quick release. And then I have a, uh, I forget the name of the other one again, Jerkison. Yep. On my actual bench I use. And the, I might be saying it wrong yet. The Walton. Wilton. 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 The Wilton vice, that thing works flawless. It's just a little vice that sits on my other bench, so I don't ever use it. But, mm-hmm. Whereas the the Jergison is it's finicky. Sometimes it doesn't release the quick release. Sometimes yes. it does. It, it's mm-hmm. it's a nice clamping vice, but the release mechanisms nowhere near as good as the Wilton. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I also have the, a tail vice. You know, like you it's like a traditional European. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so at all. Um, and I love that thing. But yep. when it comes to every day, if I had to choose only one. That'd be that record. Yeah, I used to tell bikes quite a bit just for holding, yeah. especially for hand planning and stuff. But mm-hmm. how about you, guy? Well, I, I don't have a lot of experience with vices. I've only had two in my entire woodworking career. My first one was from my my grandfather, and it's a front. It was a front vice, and it was a single screw. It, kind of quick release. It was one of those ones, if you put the handle in a certain position, you could pull it back. It had like a slot and the threads underneath, Mm -hmm. uh, which worked kind of sometimes. Um, I just used it for years, mainly because it was my grandfather's. So Mm -hmm. um, the vice I have now is a Veritas. It's a front vice. It is a quick release and it's fantastic. You know, it's basically the same thing as my old vice, but it actually works well. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, I put very long jaws on it, basically because I could. They're about 24 inches, and it does rack, but I've got a, a shelf or a, a box underneath the, uh, the bench top itself where I've got a, a couple spring clamps with a with a half inch piece of material and a piece of three quarter inch material that I can just pop in one side or the other and, you know, get rid of the racking issues that way. It works really I, well. So yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm sorry. I had the same thing for my jerks and vice, just little blocks that you twist certain ways and they're certain distances because it, it will rack if you're clamping on one yeah. side of it. But so I don't have one of those fancy, I've seen those, you know, vice shim things. Unless I just have a block of wood with a spring clamp on it and I just open up the drawer, stick it in there and I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, it works. And I said, I have two of them in there <laughs> and that works really well for me. Uh, I've also got one of those uh, bench crafted high vices. It's like a, a little vice that it's like, it, it looks like a uh, leg vice, but it attaches to the top of your workbench. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And uh, it brings the, the the work up higher. And I use that thing actually quite a bit. I'm, it works pretty well, um, mainly because I'm tall. I'm, I'm 6'2". Yes. So 
have, being able to bring this stuff up, especially when I'm doing chiseling. Cause I don't do a lot of, you know, hand cut dovetails or anything like that. So I don't, you know, mocks and vice or any of that, mm-hmm. any of that shenanigans. But I, there are you times do. when I need to bring a piece of work up. Um, cause I have to look really closely at things cause my eyes are old and bad. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's very helpful to have a, a vice up that high. I have one of those similar to with the X hardware. Yeah, that's what this is. I got, so yours is like the bench crafted version. Mm-hmm. So I got one from France, which I absolutely love. And that comes in so handy. Does it coming from France make it better? No, I just like, <laughs> it, it was just one of those things that it's not a bench crafted one in case someone's interested. I was just, of I was just making a joke, man. Just, it wasn't. That wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> Everything from France is better. <laughs> well, we, so shall we move? To unless it? it's coming from Canada. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not like it. <laughs> the bacon from Canada is amazing. So the next question the we had <laughs> is: Is the Carvex jigsaw from Festool worth the money? Any personal experiences? Go ahead, guy. I think I'm the only one that has one. Do you have a Carvex, Freddie? I do. Okay. Uh, I have one. I like it. Um, it's a jigsaw. I mean, there's really not much to say about it. The dust collection is better than having none. It still doesn't work really super well. Um, it does have like a little zero clearance insert that goes into mm-hmm. the front of the blade, and that really does help on chip out quite a bit. Mm-hmm especially on plywood or veneered surface, it really, really helps. And that's a really nice feature. Um, it's probably the only jigsaw I've ever had that if I'm cutting something and I make a curve with it, the blade doesn't deflect one way or the other. Yes. Uh, also, the light or the strobe light is really handy. Yeah. Because it looks like the blade is just stopped mm-hmm. when you're cutting. Hmm. And it's, it's pretty cool. Um, is it worth the money? You know, I, I, it's hard to, to, to justify, you know, is it a $250, $300 jigsaw over a, let's say a hundred dollar jigsaw? Does it perform better? Maybe not. I said that the thing I like is that the, the, the zero clearance insert and the strobe light. Now I'm sure there's other people that are going to, have that same feature soon also. But uh, for me, it was worth the money. I bought mine used. Almost all my festival stuff I bought used. And I, okay. you know, wait quite a while for it because, you know, you got to get the right deal on it. So mm-hmm. for me, it was worth the money. What about you, Freddie? So I too bought mine used for my buddy, Jesse. And the version I have is the Carvex 420 EBQ, which is like the brushless motor. That's, I think that, it retails, that's the same one I have. I think it retails for about $390. Really? And Is it the D-handle um, or the barrel? Barrel. Good. And I will tell you, I've owned the DeWalt one, the old DeWalt. I own the Bosch one. I own another DeWalt one. I own the old Makita one. Uh, so I even own the old Craftsman one. And those things vibrated like crazy. They, mm-hmm. they were just so heavy and so loud. 
And I just recently used the Carvex because it's fairly new to me. And I, uh, I will tell you this. It is worth every single penny. It was like lightweight, no vibration. The strobe light was amazing. There was no splintering. Uh, but I don't know about Guy's dust collection, but on my dust collection, they, I did this inside someone's house, and I was concerned that I was going to have dust everywhere and not a speck of dust. Yeah, it, caught, it gets a lot of the, the small particles. There's still a lot of chips yeah. that fly out the bottom, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, probably. Yeah, I was doing very – what I like like about the saw is that I dialed it into like, speed one. It's very slow. It, I was able to get very controlled cuts. I was able to wrap around, no jogging up and down, no chatter, no vibration. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, it paid for itself in one job. Yeah, and it does have like was, an automatic speed setting on it too. Yes. Which I've mm-hmm. used a couple of times. You know, it does slow the blade down or speed it up mm-hmm. automatically, which is kind of, kind of nice. I agree. So, and that splinter guard it's like incredible. Yeah, that, it's just a plastic awesome. slot, slotted like piece, but it works incredible. So I'm pretty sold on it. And it's so, because it's brushless, it doesn't weigh that much. Like they still sell the non-brushless version. And I picked that thing up, compared them side by side. One is like, feels like a Pinto and the other one feels like a Ram truck. You know, <laughs> it was a huge difference. Yeah, the only other, I had this old jigsaw that was my my i think it was my grandfather's or my father's it was an old uh black and decker you know a metal casing and everything the thing weighed like mm-hmm. 20 pounds and that finally died on me and i ended up buying a, a porter cable at the big box store and that thing was a piece of junk mm-hmm. i hated it mm-hmm. it drove me insane um but yeah i, I like it but i mean it, it, it is expensive is it worth you know three hundred dollars more than a let's say a bosch i i don't know i can't really i don't know if i can justify that but it is it is an excellent jigsaw everything i have from festival is works extremely well but it is expensive yeah i i i have to agree with you there i everything it hurts to buy it but everything i've ever earned from them i'm pretty happy with yeah Mm -hmm. um i i will say uh as far as the suggestion, because I don't have the thing, right? But if you're probably a cabinet installer or somebody that uses a jigsaw all the time, it's mm-hmm. worth the money. If you're using it occasionally, which is basically what I do, I don't, I can't justify it, right? And I have the DeWalt one, and it's yes. just, eh. You hit certain times it'll vibrate the hell out of you, and other times it cuts smooth. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It depends on how you're using it. Yeah. Not- that's where I was. Like I, for years, I was like, eh, I, I hear great things. And I was waiting for the Makita one to come from Canada. It's finally reached Canada. I'm like, all right, here it comes. It's coming. And I can never get anyone to ship it to me from Canada. So I was just like, and there was a job that I needed to make five or six cuts. And I was just like, I don't want to spend 390 And then my buddy said, gave me a good offer. So I, well, I went for it. And you have the battery operated one or the corded one? The corded okay. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's the same one I have. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was brushless though. The one I have is brushless. Yeah. Oh, mine's mine. It's the same same model as yours, so I imagine mine's brushless too. I just, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't notice. Yeah. 
So, you know, obviously the, the brushless gives you supposedly more longer uh, lifespan of the tool. Yeah. And it, it reduces the weight significantly. So. All right. Question three. Is it me? Should I read it? Uh, I'll read it. I just went out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edge banding. Uh, solid or veneer tape? Yes. Or, or glue on. <laughs> I do both. I I do both as well. My only complaint with solid is, especially if I'm painting it, uh, is you'll see the glue line, and then it's a constant fight to get that. I mean, you see the glue line on both of them, but typically for me, solid is more of a pain than it's the worth. solid. If the solid on the glue line, it's back from the edge, while with the veneer tape or the it's right there in the, right the corner and it's, it's not a big deal. yeah you can kind of almost hide it yeah. when you file the corner but i've done i've done both a bunch of times you know hundreds of times and i've gone from one sixteenth inch on the the solid wood to, you know eighth inch quarter inch to me it's a lot more work than the veneer tape is yes and i really don't yeah. know unless it's a shelf front where you, I don't even know then, but even like, I guess it's, it's not a big deal to me. Here, here, here's a question for you to spin off of this. Uh, you just brought up shelf front. Yeah. Have you, you, you glue solid edging on the shelf fronts for strength? Because I've never noticed. Well, yes, I have. But what I've done is I've taken it and, and rabbited the top of it and then flipped it up so the 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 grain is going the other so the the width of the board is hanging down does that make sense right yes mm-hmm. so it'll have you know like a maybe a quarter or an eighth of an inch on the front of it but it's going three quarters all the way back and it's long grain going the the width of the shelf and that adds strength okay does that make sense it's hard to explain. Yeah. But I've done it that way you know, a bunch of times. I don't do a lot of stuff that has a lot of shelves in it, especially if it's, mm-hmm. you know, plywood shelves. Um, but for like, you know, kitchen cabinets or something like that, I mean, veneer tape is fine. And that there's different quality veneer tape too. You can get mm-hmm. stuff that's garbage and you can get stuff that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, this the stuff from the big box stores is junk. Pretty thin and cheapy. Yeah. Glue's crappy. Uh, and... Yeah, and the tape's super thin. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, the commercial stuff I buy in the rolls of two hundred and fifty feet is pretty nice. Yeah, and there's uh, not as many seams in it either. Right. Yep. Uh yeah, I like I said, I, I do a lot of solid edging on my shelves because it's all Typically, my shelves are one inch thick plywood, so I don't mess around with doing edge banding on them. Where I just glue a solid edging on there, and then I usually route that V in the in the top edge and bottom edge of it because everything's flush. I do I like a one inch thick shelf. Um, so I'm, I'm not looking for strength. It's just I glue in a solid edging on there because it 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 it's just an easier thing. How thick do you make it? It's usually three quarter by one inch. Okay. So across the face of it, it would be one inch and then it's three quarter inches thick glued. And I just glue it right to the plywood. I don't put biscuits. I don't do nothing. There's no need for yeah. it. it that long grain, the plywood will hold it more than that. 
Now, do you do that when you're using a, a clear top coat also, or just when you're painting? Uh, see if I'm, if I'm using a clear top coat, um, hmm, it depends if I'm using a, let's say I'm doing a cherry piece, then I'll end up veneering that actual shelf. So I'll probably put a solid edging on it and veneer over everything. And then you don't see any lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then basically you're, you're almost doing a reverse of the edge banding because now your veneer becomes your edge banding and you'll follow that edge back and the glue line disappears that way if there is one. Yeah, if there's always a chance that you know, you're putting your hand across it, though, it'll peel that up. Yeah. It's, it's, I've done it both ways, I, too. It's being glued down in the, back, in the vacuum bag, so there's, I've never yeah, I've, I've done it both ways where I've put the, the veneer down over the top of the edging and the edging mm -hmm. in front of the top. Of the top, mm -hmm. I've done that too. And it's yeah, it's six of one, that. half dozen the other. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm going to put right. it on the front, you know, where the the nothing but the edge band, that's when I go like sixteenth of an inch, mm -hmm. and I just glue it on and you know use some tape and it it's fine. Yeah. the The issue I found with, let's say, if I did just a solid quarter inch uh, edge banding, and then you tape it on it gets little bellies in it yeah. and then you end up seeing the glue line more. Mm -hmm. So I'll end up clamping that with a bigger block of wood in front of it. It's just, it's more of a hassle than me just ironing a piece on usually. Yeah. I agree. But that's just me, my personal experience. So yeah. All right. Um, so is that all the questions? Or do we have one more? No, that was uh, all for the questions. We did have some feedback though. Yeah, we had feedback from questions. One of our uh, listeners from James Shadbolt from Workbench World down in Australia. <clears throat> last last episode we were talking about um, R and D, and there was also a discussion where we had where Freddie was talking about his help. And let me read what what James has to say. <clears throat> I may paraphrase a little bit here and there, so I'm sorry, James. Um, he wants to talk about Freddie bringing in staff and he says, I do this. I will do this by example because this is how it was explained to me. Let's say Freddie charges himself out at $50 an hour and junior, which I guess is your employee is $20 an hour from experience. Freddie knows that the task is that he is delegating would take him two hours to complete. That means it is reasonable for Junior to take five hours to complete the same task and that the budget for the task is $100. That's why there is a difference in the hourly rate of each person. We can't expect Junior to take two hours because he or she does not have the background or experience that Freddie does. When it comes to quality as well, it is reasonable to factor in a small amount of Freddie's time into the budget to critique and give feedback to Junior on improving or completing the task. And he's, but this is why we delegate, not so that we can find someone who is just as good as us, but to take these tasks off our hands to lever the business, leverage the business and Freddie's expertise. I agree with this completely. And that's what I was talking. I think I talked a little bit about that before. Um, mm -hmm. If you're not doing it, and you've got an employee doing it just don't assume that he's going to do it the same amount of time as you're going to take and you're going to pocket the extra profit because you're paying him less. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that, Freddie? Um, I agree when it comes to that matter. But at the same time, I don't agree because if the guy is tra- – if we're talking about one certain thing, which was the issue was sanding, and the student is in woodworking school, and it's not his first semester, it's not his second semester, it's not his second year, he's basically graduating – 10 months out of the year, you're focused at the school and you're into it many projects in. You should be able to know how to sand. So on what he was doing, which should only take me, you know, half hour, an hour. If it takes him five hours, it's okay with me to take five hours. But if it takes him five hours, I better have it like no issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. But after five hours, if the issue exists, then that's where the problem is. Okay. I have no qualms paying him a hundred dollars, say for example, to do that. So, and it's like, all right, fine. It took him that long. Uh, he's getting used to the tools. He's understanding everything. He has plenty of access to me to say, what do you think? But so when I come up to the person and I say, you know, how's it coming? Any issues? Do you see any swirl marks? He's like, no, everything looks great. You know, everything's coming along nicely. And I said, fine. You know, I, I'm not there to look at every single piece at the raking light. I told him what to go through. Um, but when the examples that I had at that moment, when it came time to finish, it was not at all acceptable. Yeah. I, I dig all that. What I think James is really saying is that, you know, don't look at it as if you're doing it or junior is doing it. Look at the budget for it. So mm-hmm. if the budget for it is a hundred, you know, you're saying you look at it and say, well, it'll take me two hours to do this. And I'm going to budget $100 for it. That means even if Junior takes five hours to do it, he's still coming in at budget. He's only only $20 an hour. Only if the result is what it should be. Correct. If it's not the result what it should be, it's a waste of my money and time. But if it is correct, that, that was his point. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and, and I, that's perfect. And I fine. agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So he can take as long he can take as long as he wants if the results are going to be what is, is expected. Mm-hmm. I have no qualms for that, especially if he has access to me to handle or ask any questions. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Yeah. Well, he's got a second thing right here, and, uh, and he's, re- he's referring to uh, Justin's questions about research and development. He says it is not fair on the current customer for Justin to charge for all the development of the legs in this case. It is reasonable, though, to charge every customer after that a little bit more because of this. If it took you eight hours to learn what is the best leg for this type of table, then why not charge one or two hours for every similar table built after that? I can't remember how just normally charges, but a lump sum means that the R&D costs can be built in future projects. And we talked about that also, which was just like amortizing the, 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 the day you spent over several different projects so you can pay back your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with all that as well. I'm going to contradict, I guess, just like Freddie did, if that's the right word. But uh, I agree with all that as well. The only thing is, when will I use this leg again? Right. Yeah. Um, 
You never know. You, you don't, you don't ever know. And it, to be honest with you, I've built that leg before. It was just a matter of me figuring out which one works for this table. And yeah. I think that's part of the reason why, uh, I was so reluctant to charge the customer for that because it was, yeah. but whatever it, 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 yes, I agree with all of that. But you could also um, take that. What I think what he's saying too, is you can take that as a lump sum. Let's say that eight hours or that $400, mm-hmm. Your next project build in regardless of what you're building. Put an extra yeah. hour and a half in it or two hours, which is a hundred right. bucks. And do that in the next three or four projects and you'll pay yourself back. That's what I was right. about amortizing it out over several projects. And we all do that too, you know, with the the cost of a tool sometimes. Um it's on you know, you have to have it for a specific job, but it's hard to just, you know bill the customer, you know, a couple thousand dollars for a tool that you need, bill them 500 and then just amortize it out or split the cost into future jobs. Right. I, yeah, I I think if the tool is a very good example Mm -hmm. Uh, and what comes to mind is the domino, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if you're going to use that on a project on a small table like this, you can't charge out that thousand extra dollars for that tool. But, that will be used on several other tables, which you could say, let's say each project I use it on, I charge a hundred dollars more just for that. And mm-hmm. that pays for it in a way. Yeah. Right. Which, but that thing's also making you money because you're not spending Correct. time on a, you're almost it, double it, dipping at that point. Kind of. It, it's, it's, it's a hairy line, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> a hairy line. I've never is heard that, that, the, is that the wrong expression? <laughs> no, that's a good. One. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, I don't know what was it. It's a fuzzy line, right? Yeah. I don't Doesn't know. Matter. Hairy line. I like hairy line better. <laughs> uh, sorry about that one. Um, yeah, you know, I know. I, I, so, I, some people say you shouldn't charge people for things like it. I yeah, yes and no. Um, whatever. You know, the way I look at it is when I first it's a hazy line, right? Hazy line. That's what it should be. When I bought the track saw, for example, I have the large Festool track saw. I may have used that five or six times. I only bought it at the time because I had to cut out a top, like a rectangular top on a bar top that cannot Mm -hmm. be removed between two columns. I will Mm -hmm. have never bought this large track saw from Festool. And and at that time, the Makita one did not exist and everything else was not anywhere near the depth. So I did the math and I... I charged them for my labor and I needed this saw to, you know, for the budget. If I did it the, any other way, um, I would have issues with how long things were going to take the effort mm-hmm. of cutting and protecting and with the end result, the potential damage. So I just priced in the track saw with the tracking as a job and the designer didn't care. She, I, she said, that's perfectly fine. And it's probably because whatever I told the designer, she basically doubled it by two. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for her, it was like, yeah, if you need a tool, you just got to do it. So a lot of jobs when it comes with large budgets, if I need a particular tool, then I will price it into the job. Yeah. The whole thing. No questions, no qualms, everything. And, and I agree it's, with that. Guess, it, um, it's one of those things that probably depends on it, the project it, it, and the, the tool. Yes, that's that's exactly it. It depends on the project. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. All right. Very good points, James. Yep. Uh, very good points. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
anybody has any questions or feedback, you know, please send them to us. We do really enjoy uh, interacting with you guys and answering those questions for you. Yes. Uh, sometimes we are a little slow getting back to them, but they will eventually, eventually. get answered. Eventually. eventually. <laughs> uh, you want to get into this week's topic? Sure. Okay. We're going to talk about what our favorite project or piece of furniture we ever built was. Ooh. What's yours, Justin? What's mine? I believe it is my uh, John Townsend desk that I built. That's mm. I still look at that thing every day, and I think to myself, how do they do, do that? Do you have pictures of it on your website? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think there is a picture. I don't know. I don't update that thing. So, <laughs> I haven't looked at it since I updated it. Justin, Justin will provide a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Another one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That thing is, I just look at it. It's pretty cool. I don't know. All the work. That's what I do remember about doing it. Why, 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 other than just the looks of it, what made it your, your favorite project? Was it the, just the build itself or the level of the, uh, yeah, the build, or? the amount of knowledge I learned from it. And it, it, I don't know that it was, I don't know. It was, it, it was back in the beginning. I did that, what, eight years ago now. So back when I was more or less still learning a lot, um, as far as period furniture goes. And there was just a lot of, What's the word that I'm looking for? Not decisions, but just a lot of figuring to do and everything to make on this to, for everything to come together. I had to design it and figure out how they built it and then built the way that I thought it was built. Uh, that Townsend built a lot of his furniture and it was, it was just that, that whole, I don't know, the whole mindset of it, right? Got in depth with it. Yep. So. It came out great. I'm looking at it online. Is it on my website? What am I looking for? <laughs> I'm looking for justindepalma.com. Yeah, I know. Which piece is it? No, craftedairlooms.com. Oh, hey, well, this one came out. Yeah. I think it takes you to the same place. But, anyways. Which, which piece is it? You've got a bunch of stuff on it. The fall front desk or slant oh, okay. top desk. Sec the secretary yeah. desk. Uh, it's not a secretary, That'd is it? A secretary. It's, a, it's a desk. It's a desk, yeah. Fall front. They would call it. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. The mahogany on there is spectacular. It's, yeah, it's that is eerie on mahogany. Yeah, it was a whole, the whole thing was in-depth project, right? Mm -hmm. Did you do all that, yeah. do all that carving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. It has like plum pudding on the lid too. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's out of, that whole thing's out of two boards, two mahogany boards from eerie on. Yeah, I see how you... Uh, had the grain flow through the uh, the drawer fronts. Yeah, is that yeah. one big the wide board? You just yeah, that looks. So and then cool. the actual writing surface is one board too. So the the lid when it folds down all the way through where the the what the heck do they call that? I don't even remember what everything's called now. The trap door in there. Freddie, you remember what they call that? That trap the well. Door? The, the well, well. Yes. Yeah, the well. Well, well, well. Yep. <laughs> Which Freddie is? Have you seen anybody else do that with desks? I'll have to provide pictures of all the this. Well, 
Yeah, I've, there's I, town Townsend. I know did it, but I don't know if anyone else that really did it. There, you know, I don't know if there's any famous makers that they know for sure that they get you know with a particular name, but I've seen few that had this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not very common. Not very common at all. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. Uh, for somebody that didn't know what he was yeah. doing, you did a pretty good job. Yeah. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, right? Every once in a while, you just got to sniff around in the dark. <laughs> Pretty cool. I'm just looking at each other's stuff now. Okay, I'm closing yeah. it. I'm, well, back back to the podcast. Uh, what about you, Guy? Uh, I've got a lot of favorite projects. I think the thing I had the most fun with was... Um, a dining table I built a couple years ago where it's a, has a butterfly leaf in the top. Mm -hmm. you now it's a table. There's really not much you can do to a table. And I kind of did a lot of design stuff on it that made it a little more complex than others. Um, the way I, I, I canted the legs at 45 degrees and then the bottom structure is almost a hay rake design, but it's bent lamination and having all that come out and fit the joinery on it was, was uh, pretty tough. And uh, the top I've made, you know, expanding tables before, you know, with pull out leaves and you got to go store the leaves somewhere. This one mm -hmm. was a little bit different because it's, it's a butterfly leaf. So the, leaf actually you know you pull the tabletops apart and the leaf actually folds up and goes underneath the table it's all in one motion and uh, doing the engineering i couldn't really find any plans anywhere to steal stuff from to figure out how to do this i just looked at a lot of pictures and guessed at a lot of stuff so just doing the engineering and figuring all that stuff out because you know it's a pieces that move in it. It was kind of cool. I, I, mm -hmm. I've mentioned that before. It was a real head scratcher. I spent probably more time thinking about how to do it than actually doing it. Yeah, that, that definitely makes you enjoy a yeah. project. I, from, I'm the same way. If I had to really think about how I'm going to do it, it makes you. Yeah. It was one of those it. projects where I, I overly complicated everything on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if that was, just me being stupid or just wanting to build it that way. And, uh, but it came out really nice. I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. It, uh, still holding up real well. One person with one hand can still open up the top and it just slides really easy and just nice. Do you, do you have pictures yeah. of that anywhere? On it's website. on my website. And, uh, and I don't, I don't think I was an in, on Instagram at the time, so there's no pictures of it on there as far as the build process goes. But there are videos on my YouTube channel where the whole, the whole thing is broken down. Nice. Very nice. Huh. I'm going to have to put a lot of links in this show episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Freddie? I have a feeling I know what yours is, but let's hear it. So, um, my favorite piece can't can't really be. I've made, I like just like guy. I had I have many pieces that I've made. I've been blessed to have made. Mm -hmm. 
there's one in particular that unfortunately due to a contract that I signed, I am going to be leaving a lot of information out because the last thing I need is a lawyer to send another cease and desist or they try to sue me. That's not that one. So, uh, We're discussing a piece of furniture? Yes, because they want the rights to have it for them and that they made it themselves. So I worked for a firm and this piece, I can, I'll describe this piece as it was a sideboard. Um, and it was an absolute gorgeous sideboard. We did use plum pudding and uh, it was totally embellished. All the doors, all the legs, everything was covered in, in inlay stringing and bell flowers and vases and it, it was over the top and i spent 40 hours just doing the inlay hmm. and um it was by far the best piece i've ever made it's and it's one of the reasons why it's one of those jobs that you know you, i had to fight to get almost 40 grand a year for the job but the only reason why I did it is said, I said to myself, I'm never going to make a piece like this. And I, you know, I, and I did it. How long ago was and this? It was that. Oh, Jesus. Many years ago. Um, I don't even remember. Well, the difference between to... my many years ago and your many years ago is two different things. Like it could be like 10 <laughs> okay. years ago or, or eight years yesterday. ago. <laughs> yeah. So uh, many years ago for me is when you're still in a diaper. Oh yeah, I was wearing a diaper probably ten years ago. I'm just joking. <laughs> well, hell, I'm wearing a diaper now, so. Full <laughs> circle. Um, so, so uh, <laughs> after this Benjamin Button moment, um, it, you know that piece was just breathtaking. Um, I didn't do it all myself. I had other people uh, partaking in it, and um, the majority of it, of the hard stuff, I did, and. Um, we had, uh, it wasn't my own design. There was one out there in the world that exists. So there was a lot of information that occurred or gathered from it. Uh, that was one of them. And then one I can talk about is my Seymour chest that I built that um, was on the cover of Robert Mussey's book. And that's, that's what I thought you were going to say. Uh, that one is a lot of fun. Where and can we see more of the alert. Seymour chest? I think there's, you may see more of the Seymour chest on my website and it's not Seymour.com. It's a uh, period craftsman.com cross with an S and men with an E. Um, there it will be later. <laughs> so there I've made three of them in my lifetime so far. I own one of them. Um, and each time it just gets better and better and I'm not done. I have one more. If I have kids someday, uh, I'll have to make another one. Uh, and that one will be the ultimate one. Like I've been able to study uh, one that came up to auction and I took a ton of notes and I feel that we as makers make everything heavy. Like these guys were like making rails, 11 sixteenths and the small drawers and it were like three sixteen drawer slides and the small lid was, you know, uh, nine thirty seconds of an inch thick, and they did these blind house tapered dovetails, wedged, and it was just unbelievable how well executed it was and how clean it was inside and out. So that was kind of my favorite piece. Cool. I'll have to take a look at it. Now I've worked so how on many, how many of these have you built? Three. 
Really? Yeah. I sold two of them. One was sold to a, a maker that was in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Uh, he's an interesting character. That's a, the best way I can describe it. And uh, I got paid for the first one. This is more than 10 years ago. I got paid like $13,000. He supplied all the material. And he sold it for $36,000. Uh, that's that one. And then, Did that upset you? No. Because I never thought I'd be able to make it ever again. Like, right. uh, I enjoyed that a lot because I did a lot of studying and like research. And I had I shared a shop with Will Neptune, and he's mm -hmm. like amazing when it comes to plotting out swing points and figuring out the curves and blowing things up. So that was a great education. Like I I would never forget that those moments. Um, but then the challenge was to make it faster. Like I think my first time I made it because of with all the research and everything, I spent about three months on it, and then. My next one, I spent like uh, two months on it. And then my last one, I spent six, six weeks on it. So I'm hoping to be able to do it in four weeks the next time. Nice. That's my goal. So, And each time it just gets better and better. That's what's amazing. It's just like more refined. Like I almost feel like I did less cleanup, yet it's more refined. So mm -hmm. there's something there with the skills as you further grow and things become second nature. So cool uh i will say people should go check out your website as much as fun as we make about you for it but you got some gorgeous work on there freddie well thank you that's very kind of you justin i i've never looked at it so you should get I, I will eventually okay. maybe someday you got yeah. time yeah, i don't do anything all day <laughs> <laughs> just gotta cook you gotta wash my clothes yeah. man Today I I don't wash the bedding and you know make the bed and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, I like my pillows flush, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, can you don't make? Forget to cut the grass. Can you fold like the towel in the center, like make it look like a giraffe or something or a swan? I like that. You know, when oh. I come home, I have a swan in the center of my bed. No, I don't know how to do that. Oh, no, no, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I'll put a link in the. In the show notes, leading to that on. All right, how to make a have a YouTube link there? <laughs> how to make a swan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Guy, you'll have to watch it. Yep. Just make sure my <laughs> wife doesn't see it. <laughs> yeah. What's her email again? I'll send it to her. So the tool. Of, <laughs> so the tool of the week. The tool of the tool week of this week. Tool of the week. <laughs> Guy, what do you got for tool of the week? Um. And don't say yourself. Oh, wow. That's harsh, dude. Um, <laughs> my tool of the week is an oldie but a goodie. I'm, I'm, I'm building this, <laughs> like I said, this dust collection manifold. And I didn't want to put screws in through it because I didn't want to have any extra holes that I had to seal up. So I was going to use, I'm using half-inch birch plywood, Baltic birch plywood. And I was going to use dominoes, but the, the, the domino, the four millimeter dominoes, they get really, really close to the edge of that. So I broke out my biscuit joiner and I, I learned to love the biscuit joiner all over again. I've got one of the, 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 the actual first American version of the Lamello biscuit joiner, which was the DeWalt. It's, I've had it for almost 30 years, probably. Uh, maybe, no, that's wow. not true. It would have been 90, 
92 or 93 when I bought it. And it was the, the first American version of the, the biscuit joiner. So that's how long I've had it. Still worked great, easy to use, just boom, 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 and I was done. Bang, 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 bang. 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 So <clears throat> my tool of the week is a biscuit joiner. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Awesome. It is. It is. Mm. Do you guys have a biscuit joiner? I do. You ever use it? I occasionally do. use it. Occasionally, yeah. It does. There's times, just like you're saying, it works better than the Domino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's quicker than a Domino. It's a lot quicker than a Domino. You know, when I yeah. first got that thing, I was making. You know, I was attaching aprons to table legs with it. What you were doing a norm? Why were you? Thinking? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? One, I, I know of one of those coffee tables. It's still in existence today. Bravo. Yeah. I mean, is it, it, yeah. is it as strong as a Morrison tenant? No. Is it as strong as this? No. But, you know, unless you're exerting, you know, thousands of pounds of pressure on something, it's got more than enough shear strength. Um, especially if you double them up. So, you know, it's just a it's just a convenient thing, just to whip out and boom, 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 and you're done. It's it's quicker than a domino. It's a, it's a lot more forgiving. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I saw your table at the senior center. It's no, it's. I'm so happy to see it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I do have the uh, Makita uh, biscuit joiner, not the newest version, but the previous one that everyone ramped and raved about. I bought it on eBay. Boy, it's amazing how well made it is really surprising how well made it is um yeah i looked at i looked at a dewalt one not long ago maybe about a year ago and the the quality of it was is so vastly inferior to the one i have um the one i have is is a really nice it's it's a well-made piece of a piece of equipment it's been cheapened up quite a bit since then i haven't seen the makita now i don't I don't know if it's gonna ha- anything's gonna happen from it, but I've been speaking with Lamello, Lamello, uh, several times already, and they keep inquiring of the market that surrounds Boston and where I am, and they keep asking about you know who would I recommend and where would I sell their, where would you think their tool will sell well? Would the tool sell well? So I'm not sure what's gonna happen from it, but it looks like. They're doing some R&D, and there's a potential to see Lametto more in the market. Yeah, that's a Colonial Saw. I've, I've talked yeah. to them a couple times, too. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I was pretty ecstatic to see them doing that research. Yeah. So about you, Justin? So what tool do you have? I was going to say, what tool do you have? Freddie? Oh, me? Okay. Uh, hmm. This tool of the week this week is... Um, hmm. You're in the same spot I'm in. I can't think of one. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of one. So I and I'm getting interrupted. So your turn, Justin. Okay. I can't think of one. So. Hmm. Hmm. I'm drawing a blank. This is called. Yeah, this is called where we edit to like come up with something. I would I would recommend your tool of the week is your drawing rack. I seem to see a lot of pictures of it lately. Oh yeah, by me or somebody by else? You. Oh, this is oh, that's the one that's on the wall. wall. Yeah, tool of the week. Oh, I got one. Uh, I'm gonna say a spray gun from Harbor Freight. Mm. 
I have their little like $40 spray gun. I think it was actually a dual kit. So it came with a little touch-up gun and then the regular one. That's a good little gun. That thing will spray like anything. I can't believe how good it sprays. I know yeah, a couple amazing. people that have those. And you just you just got to keep it clean. Yeah. It, it, if it breaks, who cares? My, throw it out. Get another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's right at that price point. It's like, eh, I kind of worry about it. But in the same sense, I don't. Mm-hmm. But I, I hate to say that's a decent little spray gun, especially for $40. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, it it definitely needs to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. Whereas like my my good uh, Davilas, those things are pretty pretty tough. Yeah. Um, but that's a nice gun. So I'm going to say that this week. I came up with one. What do you got? I came up with... Darn it. I just, I just had it. <laughs> Jesus, I got I got like guy syndrome. What's it? Um, uh, you know, Freddie, uh, Freddie, if you were if you were here, you know, you know what I would do? What? I'll kick you in the balls. Get hip. <laughs> so I <laughs> break a hip. That, I, you know, <laughs> I've got that old man crazy strength thing going on. So I I mentioned the Carvex earlier, so that's what I one tool that I was really hyped about and I really enjoyed. And I think the other one is the combo with the Festo vacuum. I have the mini and I have several of them, different vacuums, but the mini is the one I bring everywhere. And that thing works so well and so light and it collects all the dust. It's, it's a great vacuum. Um, I highly recommend it unless you want the boom arm because it doesn't work on that particular model. Ask me how I know that. Um, and uh, it works extremely well. I'm pretty excited and ecstatic about it. Cool. So that's my tool of the week. I'll have to send you a picture of what I have for a boom arm in my shop for what I made, Freddie. Okay. Because that'll solve your issues, but not on the job site, but in the shop it will. Freddie, where can you be found? You can easily find me at the furniturerepairshop.com. Okay. Guy? Guyswoodshop.com. Or on Instagram at guyswoodshop. Sweet. Ooh. You can find me at Justin underscore DePommel on Instagram, or you can email me at jdfunwoodworking at gmail.com. Or you can find all of us at theatgpodcast.com or email us at theatgpodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Freddie is going on vacation, so we're going to have a fill-in for the next episode. Yes. But uh, enjoy yourself, Freddie. Thank have a you. Good time. I will. Good I'm luck. going to band camp. Going to band camp. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll find out what happened there when you got back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you later. See ya. Thanks. I'll talk to you all later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.